Most of the research in this area has focused on mothers. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Stacy Orloff and Dr. Betty Davies. Dr. Orloff is Vice President of Palliative and Community Programs for the Hospice of the Florida Sun Coast in Clearwater, Florida. Dr. Davies is a professor in the Department of Family Health Care Nursing at the University of California in San Francisco. Dr. Davies is the principal investigator, and Dr. Orloff is the site coordinator on a research project to examine the experiences of fathers with terminally ill children. Dr. Orloff, welcome back to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. Dr. Davies, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. Dr. Davies, let's start with you. How much research has been done to learn about the experiences of fathers with terminally ill children? Well, actually, very little. When we put together our proposal for the project, we reviewed the literature between 1994 and 2004. And in that 10-year period, we found only 22 research-based articles that focused on fathers specifically. And they had to do mostly with fathers of children with cancer. And there were very few None, in fact, that had to do with fathers of children who were terminally ill. But since that time, there's been other articles published, and it seems to be a greater focus on fathers more recently, indicating that fathers' experiences are very important, and that fathering is very important, and that we need to pay more attention to that. But the only articles that we could actually find that had to do with fathers whose child had died and who was dying were articles by fathers themselves. And it was almost as if they were trying to share their own experiences, make their voices heard from their own perspective because no one else seemed to be doing much about it. So we identified that there was a a significant gap in the literature, and that was one of the reasons we chose to do this particular study. Dr. Davies, what was the spirit of those articles and those voices? The spirit of those voices, I think... Fathers were talking about the impact on them of having a seriously ill child who died. And they were talking about the things that helped them and the things that frustrated them and and what came through their stories in the literature as well as what comes through our research in talking to fathers is that they feel a great sense of responsibility for their child who's sick, their other children, their wives, and other family members. And they realize and recognize that most of the attention from healthcare providers is directed towards the mother of the child because the mother actually is the one who's most often available and in the hospital or accompanies the child to a doctor's visit. But at the same time, fathers feel very ignored and neglected because, in fact, hardly anyone pays attention to them other than to say, and how is your wife doing, (laughs) rather than, and how are you doing with all of this? So that theme comes from the fathers who've written themselves, and it also comes through some of the interviews that we've been conducting with these fellows. Dr. Davies, summarize the pilot study for us. Well, the pilot study was done a few years ago. It was done under the auspices of a group that we had put together to focus on pediatric palliative care. It was called CHIPS, and it's under the auspices of NHPCO. So our pilot study was focused on eight fathers and talking to them about their experiences with their child who was seriously ill. And what we learned from them is that their experience really could be characterized by the metaphor that it was as if they were living in a dragon shadow. 
And the idea was expressed eloquently by one father, and then other fathers either said similar things or agreed that this captured their experience. And it comes from the idea of, in Western mythology, dragons were seen as the enemies of valiant heroes who struggled valiantly to overcome the power of the dragon. And these fathers talked about their experience with their child was really similar to that, in that they were constantly trying to live their lives as well as they could in this shadow of the dragon. And they constantly were battling this dragon, which was a conscious and active and continuous process that required from them great strength and willpower and considerable effort. And so they were battling with three things, with the uncertainty of what was going to happen to their child, to them, to their families, with a sense of responsibility they felt and sometimes resented but couldn't abandon that responsibility, and battling with the disruptions of everyday life. Every single thing in their lives and their families' lives was totally disrupted during the time that their child was sick. Now, the difference between the myths, I guess, and what these fathers were saying to us is that, unfortunately, in the myth, the dragon is usually slayed by the hero. But in these stories, the fathers were unable to slay the dragon and said, in fact, it was the dragon who slayed their child and seared them with the flame of his breath, in fact, that lasted forever afterwards. And the important thing, I guess, about it is that all of this occurred within the context of their perceptions of themselves as fathers and of how important it was to them to be good fathers for their children. And that makes common sense, I suppose, when we say it. It's just that the way that the healthcare system works, we have very much been focused on mothering and the value of mothers to children's growth and development and to children when they're sick. And what these fathers are saying is, yes, of course, mothers are important, but so are fathers. And so that's probably the most important message from that pilot work, is that these experiences of fathers were so poignant and so meaningful, but it was a very small sample size, and we felt it was important to capture the experience of many more fathers so that we could expand what they told us and even better understand things that we can do to make their lives a little bit easier in in times of trauma. How do fathers seem to cope with the stress of living with a child with a life-threatening illness? Well, our experience, what we have found in meeting with fathers and interviewing them, is that most of them really tend to continue to exhibit the traditional male role that both society expects of them and often is the case of their role within their couple dyad. And by that I mean they tend to be very task-centered and focused on taking care of things, whether that's taking care of the family by continuing to work and bringing in a family income, whether it's focusing on concrete tasks. Uh, One of the fathers in particular that we interviewed at our location talked about house cleaning, the grocery shopping, which again is slightly different than a, a normal male role, but taking on those obligations that allow the family to continue. And also, for some of the fathers, their work either, again, becomes the way in which they provide care for the family by financially sustaining the family or provides an opportunity for them to escape physically, emotionally, spiritually from the situation. So, again, it tends to be 
many of the dads exhibit what we would consider to be the fairly traditional male experience. Dr. Orloff, explain that gender difference in the way in which women and men express their emotions. Yeah, well, what again we have have found again in with many of the fathers is what I would describe as kind of the fixers in quotes. And so we tend to see more behavioral differences dads tend to do. Uh, and women tend to feel. And again, you know, I'm I'm speaking in generalities. We certainly have interviewed fathers who have been very expressive emotionally and, and were throughout the, their child's illness and in the bereavement um, process also. But they, in general, if we look at gender differences, many of the men are more silent. They may not express their feelings in ways that show a certain sense of vulnerability. It's often much easier and safer for them to express anger, whether it's angry, um, uh, being angry at their God, if they're talking about religious or spiritual issues, with the healthcare system, uh, with their employer, whatever it might be, that that anger tends to be a more safer emotion. And also, I think, and this is something that I've done some training with and gotten good feedback from bereaved parents who have been present, in that we need to talk more about some of the gender differences in terms of looking at the couple, how they express themselves sexually with each other, that it's much safer, again, for many men to be tender and allow themselves to be a little more vulnerable by being sexual with their partner, whereas for women, they tend during this period of time to not consider uh, sexuality to either be important to them or are don't have that emotional component. And so that often creates some different conflict in the marital relationship. Dr. Orloff and Dr. Davies, thank you so much for joining us to discuss your research regarding fathers with terminally ill children. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you, Susan. I've enjoyed talking with you. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening.